and welcome back to The Latecomers. I'm Amity. I'm Lemuel. And this week, we're going to get back into Rose Red for the final, I want to say final countdown because that's the words that come next, for the final, what's the word I'm looking for? The climax. Well, the final yeah. episode. Episode works. The final no. segment. We would like to thank the people who very patiently have been following along on Daily Motion. Oh, yes. Um, because it does require a little bit of patience. It's frustrating for me, not knowing where the episode begins and watching a five-minute episode and trying... Yes, it's been difficult. Did yours not auto-play right into mm-hmm. the next it one? It did not. Oh, that's frustrating. Yeah, mine computer, did, did until the last one when then I had to watch an ad for Young Sheldon, which wasn't great. Mm-hmm. So kind of the other one's auto-filtered, though. So, right. uh, But we do appreciate that it's available on there because otherwise... Otherwise, we couldn't have seen it. We're not doing this. And it's a very good quality. It um, is. It is. There were no... Uh, no subtitles uh, yeah, that's a that bummer. were distracting. I think when we watched this, Dan, I'm not sure what language it was. It was Spanish. It was Spanish? Mm-hmm. I thought it was something else. And it might have been Portuguese. I presume yes. Spanish, though. Or maybe Italian, I guess. But I thought it was Spanish. But I, yeah, I kind of was able to blur them out with my eyes. <laughs> I think she found the jelly bean I dropped. So if you hear a weird noise, Ziggy is kicking around candy. Stress candy that I ate. So this week, we have been st- stuck inside, sheltering in place. We're recording on March 23rd. So we are still in the midst of the coronavirus um, quarantining. Uh, Lemuel, you are working. Is that correct? Yes, I am still working. I am working from a store that's closed to the public for the most part. But I'm able to keep uh, nice and isolated and distant from everybody. Yep. is not much different from my everyday life. <laughs> That's good. I have to say. I feel like I was working as much three weeks ago, and yet this feels like way less mm. and way scarier. But that might also just be that the news is all terrible. There is not much positive news. So we're hoping that when this comes out in a week and a half that things are on the upswing. But given our government's response thus far... I wouldn't say that I'm optimistic about it. But fingers crossed, something could happen. I don't know what's going to happen. It could always be something good. Something good is... Maybe something good. Just around the corner. Uh, so when last last we left Wimbauer and Clan, what did we have? We had a deceased Vic in the... Yeah, what's the body count now? Outside in the garden. We had what we thought might be a deceased Emery's mom, but mm-hmm. that's that was a red herring. She's not deceased yet. Here's spoilers. <laughs> she well we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna spoil all of it. We have a deceased Pam, which led to the deceased Vic. We have a deceased Kevin Bollinger. Mm-hmm. And I believe that's it. I think it's. It was there was a, a question story. about whether Annie Whedon survived falling off the back of a chair. I think she that hadn't was... fallen, and uh, she doesn't. That's where your confusion right. gets. She doesn't fall until the beginning of this. Episode. Okay, I thought that that was the the cliffhanger for <laughs> that's the other episode. Like, oh, okay, got you. Would have um, been her falling off a chair and bonking her head. Interesting. No, that's actually how this one opens. So okay. yeah, let's talk about her. So Annie has become obsessed with this uh, dollhouse, which is what she looked through to see in the previous episode, mm-hmm. and she is climbs up on a chair to get a closer look, and then she falls down and is knocked unconscious. She gets a big knot on her forehead. It's okay. rough looking. 
At which point, Rachel and Steve are trying to um, help her, and they have a weird back and forth where Steve like yells at Rachel because she's to go get Joyce because she's more of a doctor than either of them are. But right. like he's real rough with her. Uh, it's the first time we've seen that. He's usually been very sweet, especially to the women. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, he gets a little little prickly. Uh, meanwhile, uh, the windows and doors open. They unlock. So presume this means then they come to the conclusion that it's Annie that's keeping them closed. Subconsciously. She's not well, Annie's being used as right. the source of energy that uh, Rose Red is, or rather, I'm not sure if the, the, the gist is, because I was getting a little confused here, maybe you can help me out, whether it's Ellen Rimbauer is the force behind the house, or is it the house itself? Is she more benign and the house is malicious? Right. Although they seem to think that they put... She she ended up putting her hatred into the house. Like, okay. she... Because I think later, Joyce... They're talking to Joyce, and they're like, she's not going to let you have what she wants, because mm-hmm. this house is designed to break everyone's heart the way her heart was broken. All right, okay. That, that's, like, that's a line that. that they use, so yeah. Emery realizes that his mother's not in his head, that mm-hmm. she's actually there, and he goes to try and find her. Now... One of these says that he goes outside and sees Miller and tells him to go away. I thought he did this through the window. I think he, it must right. be through the window because he doesn't get out of the house. That's the thing. He tries to get out of the house and right. the, da- the door slams on his hand and severs his fingers. Severs his fingers, which makes him so pleasant for the rest of this thing. He's a, he's a really interesting character. The way that they characterize him mm-hmm. is really interesting. So from here on out, he has lost his fingers. He believes that his mother is somewhere around, mm-hmm. but can't locate her. Right. And he is then just harping on, let's knock Annie unconscious, or kill her, but yeah. at least knock her unconscious. And I have to say, other than the way that he brings this up over and over and over again in a really gross, creepy way, mm-hmm. I agree with him. <laughs> well, now, here, I would like to for... Um, there was some a moment I had here when I was watching that those scenes mm-hmm. when he's trying to convince the others to... And it happens consistently for the right. rest of this movie. He just keeps... Very, like every 10 minutes, we've got a scene of Emery going, right. just hit her with this pool ball or, you know, push her down the stairs. It, it, was, it, it actually re- recalled to me the um, It's a Good Life episode of The Twilight Zone where uh, there's a little boy who has all sorts of amazing telekinetic abilities. Oh, this is the one where Bill they... Mummy, yeah. And he can only focus on one person at a time. And so as one of the characters is being wished away into the, the cornfield, I think. Yeah. He's begging everyone else to hit him in the back of the head while he's focused on me. Right. Do something. You can Do stop some, him right stop now. Stop him right. Also, strangely enough, I wrote a story that ended that way. Oh, yeah? Um, which is at the end of my anthology. I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> you know, but, suppose, but, like, yeah. don't kill her. I'm right. not saying kill her. Well, she he modifies that, too, because he does say at one point to just hit her in the back of the head. Yes. About, She's, he's, uh, he's literally like, hit her here, uh, and that'll knock her out. Hit her a little higher, and that'll end it, right? right? So he's giving options, which, I mean, I guess, thanks. But if what's keeping them in this house? And this house is actively killing them now. They know at least two of them are dead. Probably three mm-hmm. um, are dead. 
th- or three people are dead. Uh, I wouldn't say Kevin is of them, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, knock her out, mm-hmm. get her out of the house, and get everybody out of the house. Just, mm-hmm. d- unconsciousness is not going to cause permanent. Well, she's already been unconscious for a for while, so right. so I, yeah, yeah, I'm just like this seems like a not unreasonable thing to do. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm. Am I saying beat up the autistic girl? Maybe. Maybe that's no, what no, I'm saying. No, because <laughs> what we have here on the opposite side is the doctor yes. who is insisting that they keep her going. And, and mm-hmm. I find it funny that at the very beginning of the miniseries, I was thinking that Nancy Travis was miscast. I think that her professor scenes were a little bit unrealistic to me. Mm. However, by the end of this program, when she's able to go into her full obsessive mm. personality, she really is very convincing. Yeah, I think it's just, it's not a well-written character. I think that might, might be it, and it's inconsistent. <laughs> and yes. Because yes. by the very end, she is going, she is doing the full, and wonderfully, full Vincent Price yes, mad. No. She, thing big at the eyes. End. Right. Her hair is disheveled. She's not crazy. She's mad. She's going down with the ship. Yeah. And and she um, there's a great scene, the scene that you're mentioning, where one person's trying to convince the group you can do something about it, and she's furious because she doesn't want any of this to stop. We saw at the end of the last episode no, that she's she delighted. Says, she says, Annie, keep the doors and windows closed, right. and you'll have the dollhouse. We'll play with yeah. the dollhouse forever, or whatever it is. And um, so she's actively working against that. Also, they get when the when the doors and windows open, mm-hmm. they get the phone works, and right. they're like, "What? Who should we call?" And they're like, "The police, an ambulance." Like, obviously, there's all kinds of damage happening. Right. Um, and then she goes, "No one." <laughs> and then, of course, the phone stopped working, and it's moved. Uh, but yeah, no, she is not looking to get any help for the multiple deaths and injuries that have occurred here, uh, which is uh, problematic. Also, she later she refers to Nick as crazy, which was, it upset me greatly because this was a psychologist. Right. Typically, and I know several. um, They tend to avoid that word? They don't use that word. That's not a word that they use. They have trained themselves out of the colloquial use of that right. term. And it just, it angered me when she kept saying it about Nick, who was being totally reasonable and rational. And right. then she just was like, he's crazy. Can't you see he's crazy? And I'm like, someone is. It, it, but I don't it puts think me in mind of the episode of Frasier, where he's asked to do an advertisement for nuts. And he can't bring himself to do it. You know, you're mm. a famous radio psychologist. Can you? He's like, I can't use the word nuts for people who have mental health problems. That's trivial. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I see your point. Yes. Yeah. It, that just it it aggravated me. So um, Nick is telling people basically what every so Nick reads minds, right? So mm-hmm. he sort of knows all the things that everybody is thinking and going through. So he's sort of um, our Captain Obvious? No, right. that's not the word that I want. But no, like, but that works. He is our... Exposition? Exposition. Mm-hmm. He's our exposition in this. So he, like, neatly packages um, what's happening and keeps telling everybody. Now, at one point, Kathy gets frustrated and she wants to go have some iced tea. She saw a big picture of it in the mm-hmm. kitchen. And they all go, well, don't go alone. And she responds, I don't. God walks with me 
always and then goes alone. And I'm like, why didn't anybody get up and walk with her? What is wrong with these people? Because even if that's true, the house has extra stuff going on. Like, that bothered me a lot. It wasn't her response. The response was fine. She's an interesting character, too. And I think that what we've reached near the end is that people are doing things that don't seem consistent with the characters they've been developed. Well, I just, they, how does nobody stand up and walk right. with her? I, I didn't see, there was <sighs> points at the end where I, of the final episode where I thought, why is this person doing this? She seemed very much like, you know, I'll be right back. I'll be right back. Right, yeah. exactly. No, it was, yes. And I was like, first of all, who made that iced tea? Because <laughs> like, that ghost iced tea? It was tea? Ellen Rimbauer, don't, actually. Don't drink that iced tea if you don't remember who made it. Uh, and... I understand that you need some alone time. Mm-hmm. Ask somebody to come with you and be quiet then, because right. this it, it's wild to me that they would just let her walk off. And of it course, it also seems inconsistent because obviously um, our friend who's being eaten by crows the entire episode, yes. also a religious person, is currently yes. being eaten by crows outside the back door. Yes. So, so um, yeah, I'm not sure, or outside the kitchen door. But he was tempted by a lady, so that's what he gets. Mind you, I, I would um, like to point out to everyone who is too young to know him, Kevin Tai, is that his, uh, yes. that's his name, is a fine actor He's who beefy. was, who was um, in lots of television. We mentioned this before. It seemed uh, lots of television and movies. He was a character actor. It seems as if... We're cutting back to him just to have the excuse to see him lying. You know, he's in this episode too. Yeah, right. Because it just you give him a screen credit so he gets right. paid for the episode. It's, because it's he's rough. just lying there, being eaten by the Turning same two crows. Yes, for the entire episode. Yeah. <laughs> that's and his that's contribution. actually an interesting um, mm-hmm. thing that Nick says is, um, "We'll all be killed, even if not literally, which might be worse. Like it's possible that." That kept, that uh, Vic's not even really dead, right? And that's the worst. It's just trapped in the house forever, right? Yeah. Um, in the kitchen, Kathy is attacked by Mrs. Waterman, so she did not die. Mm-hmm. She is bleeding, and she is mm-hmm. no longer sane. Non compos mentis. Yes. And Nick comes in and rescues her. Good job, Julian Sands. Good job. And they tie her up. And they decide not to tell Emery that he's there because what what, what good Emery's already off going off his deep end because he's in a huge amount of pain. I have a question for you about the mom. Yeah. Or no, no, not about the mom. About Julian Sands, and who gets to do a lot of like um, scenery chewing in this his segment of this episode because he's telling us what's happening. So. Is his character funny or just kind of a dick? I think he's supposed to be funny, and right. I read him that way. I did the whole point where he asked her, "Do you, would you like to buy a vowel?" <laughs> that was like, yes. That was almost. He's a little bit of a dick to people who don't really, who can't really communicate back with him. Uh-huh. But he's very good with Annie. He's right. very he's, good to all. Like, but to Emery, he just he's a bit of a him. dick to Emmy, Emery. But my guess right. is that's because he sees what Emery thinks. I guess and so. And Emery's thoughts are probably heinous. And so he's like, nah, fuck this dude. Which, same. <laughs> right, but I mean, when I was watching him, I'm going, he's walking a very fine line between just being a real jerk and being actually very funny. And yes. 
very and sweet. And it changes. He deals with women also very differently than yes. he deals with men. Yes. And I think he would be better to Emery if Emery wasn't just... If Emery's life and experiences up to mm-hmm. this point hadn't warped him to the point of being just a total dick. Right. That's what it seems like. Okay. Uh, but because he can see that he's just a total dick, he's like, nah, fuck this Well, that's kid. why I felt like there's a, a moment in The Haunting, the original film, where all this tension is built up and out of, uh, one of the characters out of nervousness turns to the professor and says, if you still want to buy the house, I'll let you have it cheap. And that breaks the tension almost to the point of being too much. Like it shouldn't have. Mm-hmm. And I felt that way sort of about, would you like to buy a vowel? You know, we're at yeah. this point, and then yeah. suddenly he comes up with this very snappy one-liner, and we're snapped back to the fact that, oh, this isn't really happening. This right. is kind of silly now. Yes. So uh, on the way back, Nick, Nick and mm-hmm. Kathy head back, um, but they're in a different place. They don't know where they are. They they get lost. Um as they leave the kitchen, uh, Mrs. Waterman is dragged into the wine cellar by Sukina. Mm-hmm. So now I think she's really dead. <laughs> um, and they are, the carpet begins to move. It's the same thing that we saw in her room, uh, Kathy's room the night right. before. Uh, it's, I'm going to say, a, a callback to the haunting. Yeah. The Robert Wise version. Um, and they're running and they go through a door. Kathy loses track of Nick and then she is on her own, and we don't see Nick again. Y'all, Julian said. Right, and this is something else I would like... I guess sometimes they eat, the house eats men too, because we don't see... The complaint I also have is that this, to me, is reminding me of I needed him to have a send-off that was a little bit better. I felt the same way with uh, Emily Deschanel's character, where I wasn't even sure she was dead until she shows up as some sort of temptress ghost. Right. So I didn't like that. I was like, Give me some closure with this character because we've spent yeah, a lot of time with we him. We did, now. we did, and he was our like he was a voice, right, for us. Um, so then Kathy finds herself in the mirror library, right, and she sees Kevin's body hanging from it, from the ceiling, and she screams and tries to run away, and then she starts getting sucked into the water. That's not water. It's like. The reflection. It's like the reflection uh-huh. becomes mercury and starts quicksanding That was her. a very clever special effect. It was. I it really was liked. very cool. The, the, that mirror library is the high point, at least in terms of the art design for the movie. You think so? I, I think that really carries the that image of the reflecting the ceiling or the, the library yeah. in the floor works really well. And so he sets it up earlier. Yeah. Um. With Steve talking about how he felt he would sink he into would it, sink and into now it she literally it. is want, you know, yeah. wading hip deep in a reflection. Yeah, I think it only goes up to like her knees, and she's able to get out. Mm-hmm. And then we sort of follow her, and she ends up in the attic. And then we find a little bit about out about the Steve? house, oh, the okay. history of the house. Um, and she sees. Uh, she's automatic writing, and she writes on this portrait of John and Ellen Rimpower. No suicide, I think Ellen Sukina murder is what it says or something like that. And she sees Sukina and John kissing behind the the big stained glass, I think it's a rose, uh-huh. stained glass window. And then Ellen comes in and finds them, and he's like, she tempted me. And Sukina kisses him again, and she's like, 
uh, I think she changes it to the present tense, and I'm mm. like, this is weird. And then um, Ellen and Sukina work together to push him through the window. Like, tell that to your whores. <laughs> and then they, they, so she's led him up there. Sukina has led him up there knowing that they are going to then push him through this window. Okay, and kill so him. that she was the one uh, who was, okay. She was the bait. With uh, her enormous, enormous eyes. Yes. And so Ellen Rimbauer is a murderer. Murderess? Murderess. Murderess. Murderess, I think would be the proper term, yeah. <laughs> and downstairs we have Steve and Rachel thinking we should probably go try and find Nick and Kathy. They find Kathy in the attic and she is about to be attacked by like a corpsey creature. Corp- a, like a creature corpse? Like a I liked your first one better. A corpsey corpse creature. creature. Yes. And the corpse drops to the floor and it has a withered arm. So sh- they had thought that it might be Ellen, uh-huh. but it's April. Now, April disappeared when she was six. So she grew to adulthood as a ghost? Or she grew to adulthood hidden away. That could have happened too. Uh, uh, yeah. I mean, she was... What's the word I want? There, There have been times, and I'm sure this is probably one of them, where rich people hide away right. imperfect children. Well, it seems But like, they don't usually make a big deal of my child disappeared right. and then, uh, you know... I think that Ellen wasn't ashamed of her, but I believe that John probably could be. He seemed that kind of guy. Right. Yeah, so it's unclear. But it seems like this is April's corpse. And then... The a bright white light comes out of its mouth and then it disintegrates. Um, everybody else, or everybody, then reconvenes down in the main hall. Emery again attempts to attack Annie with a fireplace poker. Don't do that. Uh, Annie animates the suit of armor that's been there since the beginning. It's not Schrodinger's suit of armor. That's Chekhov's. Right. It's check. It's Chekhov's suit of armor. Uh, because we actually saw Nick earlier saying this has been no corporeal form since right. in 600 years or something like that. Uh, and it has an axe in its head. I have to say that course. to me was the silliest of all the manifestations in here, the walking suit of armor. Oh, come on. It was only three seconds. I don't know. Also, well, I mean, I'm not saying that it was, it ruined the film. I'm saying it was the silliest of all the strange things that we see was a suit of armor and... Well, but I could see it because Annie did it deliberately. Mm -hmm. Like, it wasn't the house doing a thing. Right. It was Annie doing a thing. And that I could see being a thing where I was like, well, that's a... Right. It's it's armor and it's got a weapon. So let's use that as this dude is trying to hit me in the head with the fireplace poker. Everybody calms down. Well, you would after you get attacked by a suit of armor. That That's kind of a, a you know, that's when you know you I don't stop. Know, I feel like I get ramped up, if it, especially if it doesn't. You missed me. Come at me. You better not miss. <laughs> um, and earlier, Steve had said she could, he could kind of see Annie tel- te- telepathically, mm-hmm. but like she was way high up. Right, in a tower. And he couldn't reach her directly. And so Steve is like, well, I can't reach her, so it's got to be Kathy and Annie that link. And so Kathy begins to engage in automatic writing, so she's writing her loops 
And Annie begins to draw pictures of boulders striking the house. So Kathy writes, help us and open the doors, open the doors, open the doors, open the doors. And then and then Annie starts writing, open the doors. And then the doors open. And then that's when she starts drawing. Mm -hmm. the, the pictures of the stones. Uh, right, okay. Yeah. And um, so everybody gets out. Well, everybody gets out. So Steve, Emery, Kathy, Rachel, and Annie go to escape but Joyce is refusing to leave she's she's also been kind of going like being sort of driven to distraction because they're experiencing all of this stuff but nothing is being recorded and that is why Steve is like it's not going to let you have what you want to have right. this house is not going to allow you any kind of happiness or success because that is not what this house is about. This house is about failure and misery. <laughs> Get on board. And um, then Ellen Rimbauer comes uh -huh. as a ghost, but Annie stops her. And then Mrs. Waterman's ghost comes out of a mirror and tries to get Emery to follow her into the spirit realm. And Emery finally, finally stands up to his mom. Under the guidance of? Steve. Oh, I thought it was under, uh, what's her name? Oh, who? To tell Kathy? them for once in your miserable life, stand up to your mother. Oh, yeah, uh, who said that? It was uh, Kathy, I think. Oh, okay. Might have been. Yeah. Uh, who seems to genuinely... I thought it was Steve, but yeah, it's I think it's that one of she them. is the apology for Carrie White's mom. Maybe. You know, because like, we have... not all religious The religious are, fanatic. Yeah. And we even have Jillian Sands say that to her. You are a Christian woman. And oh yeah, she does. You are really a good Christian woman, right. aren't you? Like, because she doesn't want to hurt Mrs. Waterman. Yeah, it's, and she's like, she's gonna hurt you. Right. Like, this woman, this if if we let her go, she will kill you. It's not in it in her to hurt anybody. And so I, when I was watching that, I got the sense that maybe Stephen King is going, yeah, his career was built <laughs> on an extreme religious <laughs> fanatic. So here we can show there's a different side of people yeah. who are like this. Um, but yeah, this is the scene. This is the Richard the Third scene. I don't um, know what that means. In Richard the Third, it ends, and this is something that's been imitated ever since with a procession of ghosts, all the murder victims. Oh, got you. Yeah, and and uh, Joyce finally kind of comes to her senses right. and is like, "Oh, I got to get out of here." And then nope. it's too late. <laughs> She's surrounded by all of the ghosts, Nick yeah. and Pam and Vic. So they did all die. Mrs. Waterman. Yep. Miller did die. Bollinger. Yep. Sukina and Deanna Petrie. The the um, actress actress uh, and she screams and then it fades to black and then doodly 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 and it's six months later well we do see the rocks though you we don't do want to yes, leave the, rocks. the amazing display of rocks here it feels like they destroyed a miniature is yes. that what happened <laughs> I, I hope so because if not that would be it seems rough <laughs> yeah. yeah well some of it very obviously was a miniature you can tell when things that aren't supposed to bounce bounce. That that's always fair a enough. Yes, dead that giveaway. is styrofoam and not right. stone. So six months later, they come back right before the mansion is due to be demolished and replaced mm. by condos because, of course, they are because gentrification. <laughs> Don't think this is the time to have that conversation. They pay their last respects to the dead by laying red roses on the path, and Emery seems way chiller. Yeah. Like not having his mom and surviving a very horrible thing, he seems legitimately nice, which was weird. Like, he's having an interaction with Annie that doesn't seem like he's mocking her. Right. Like, like he, I think, has the most growth 
<laughs> he's a dynamic. Okay. All right. So we'll discuss it after we finish because okay. I, I have questions about that too. And they all place roses down and then they all separate, mm-hmm. they go their separate ways. And Ellen Rimbauer, Sukina, and Joyce watch the survivors depart from the tower window. Thought so, that. how did you feel about that ending? I was fine with it. You were not This fine is with what it. I'm puzzled with. Okay. I would have liked to have had, because what I liked about Storm of the Century is it has a relatively long resolution. Phase. Yes. After the climax. Which you, you uh, know going in because the voiceover right at the very beginning right. says some stuff just happened, so we know that there's going to right. be some Right, but we needed a very long resolution. I mean, it goes on for about 15 minutes or more, describing what happens to the characters, but you need a long resolution when you have that many characters in Storm yeah, of the Century. Yeah, that's fair. Um, because you have to tie up loose because ends. Because most of them stay, most of the people that you care about in that mm. stay alive. Right. That's not the case here. They kill half of the people in right. this thing. But um, I was curious as to what happened with Ellen Rimbauer's research. Ellen Rimbauer's? You mean Excuse Joyce's me, research? Ellen Rimbauer's Joyce's research. My sense is nothing got picked up on any of the stuff that they were using to record. Right. And well, then I mean, it was, it was all smashed by giant rocks anyhow. And then it was smashed by giant rocks, but and then none of them were going back into that house, I not do, even for a minute. This is, and this is my issue, I think, when you try to get more realistic with horror stories, which is something I've tried to be conscious of. I don't understand why they didn't, like, I, I'm like, what are the, can I see the headlines? That yes, Miller that's was what I meant. Dead, weird and, that's what I meant. Like, when, all of these people When I'm died. looking at these stories realistically, right? Yeah. Um, and again, from the point of view as a writer, I'm how going... Are, how are the survivors not in prison I'm right not now? going like, to kill off half a dozen people because... Yeah. How they, do you... Well, yes, there should be a police investigation. Yeah. This should be... You can't... This appeared in a whiteout is you very can't, convenient, but that's not... That doesn't work here. You can't take this house down because it's a crime scene. I mean, you can eventually. I mean, yeah, but not in the period of time that we're given in this story. Like six months. I think that they I would think clear that, it. I don't know. I mean, we just... If, if it was already set to be mm-hmm. demolished, they would presumably have a crime scene in there. I don't know. Yeah, there was no caution there was tape. There was nothing. nothing. There was nothing. And and the idea that... Maybe pe- just none of those people had you know, people that were close to them and they... Because they uh, you did have... missing and that's a wrap. A famous professor. You had two professors disappear in this house. You had the journalist disappear. So I thought... Well, the journalist was a college student. So yeah, right. his parents would want to know where he was. Yeah. Emery's mom is probably not going to be... The, the only person yeah. that would say anything about that would be Emery. Emery should be under suspicion. What happened to your mom? Everyone knows how much you hated your mom. You know, that, that kind of thing. Although I don't think that was the suggestion. I don't think people thought that he hated his mom. I think anybody who saw them together would think that he hated his mom because I, she I just was ruthless. Yeah, but I wouldn't. He's been raised like that. I don't. Th- mm. I don't think that breeds hate. Mm. Maybe it should. <laughs> and from an outsider, like if you came into a relationship fully formed uh-huh. and were treated the way that he was treated by his mother, then yes, hate would be bred. When you were raised in that, mm. I I think it's a twisted kind of love. Like he. Probably hated that he loved but, his I mean, mom so much. You could make the excuse if you're a police officer. Oh, for sure. Seeing well, that. if you're a police officer, you I, can make I all mean, kinds of excuses right. for all kinds of things. Well, let's not, we won't go there. <laughs> but it just seemed to me that there would be so much more controversy and so much yes. more around yes, this. Yes, that is an issue. That the idea of them coming back to the house and laying roses, no, they, there would still yeah. be TV that crews is an around issue. there. And that is an issue, especially because right. two things ago we watched Rose or we watched Storm of the Century that explicitly talked about. Right. How the aftermath would be handled, right? And then and in here, this one, they're like, "It's kind of shoved." Up. And again, that's again why I said that I liked the fact that we were given a long resolution yeah. because we needed all these stories to tie up. 
And here, there's like, not I feel even... like they'd all be on probation and wouldn't be right. allowed to talk to each other. There's an FBI agent outside the gates with a long lens taking pictures. Yes, of that's them. what I thought would be happening. The other thing is, it's Tim Daly. Yeah, <laughs> he's the sheriff. He, or no, what was he? He what was, was a Dan? federal marshal. Federal marshal. He'll be taking pictures of. I thought that when I was watching, and it was at the right coast too. Actually, don't yes. think of it. Um, we somebody should do a fan edit where we just cut to him like... snapping pictures from behind the trees somewhere. But um, he thinks that it's his thing. Yeah. Like he doesn't, like he knows something's fishy, but he, and he thinks it might be his son. Well, that would be the perfect nod since uh, Storm of the Century. This um, feels like supernatural. It feels like we're recreating supernatural a uh, little bit. Storm of the Century references Dolores Claiborne, and so Rose Red should reference Storm of the Century. Because yes. they're all connected anyhow. They are all connected. Um, but looking at the other thing that uh, bothered me was what you brought up, which is the inconsistent characters who do things out of character in this story for not a great particular reason. My problem with uh, uh, Nancy Travis's character Joyce Reardon and her portrayal yes. is just in the very beginning I didn't believe her and by the end of it she is acting the hell out of this character yeah. but the slow descent into madness wasn't a very slow descent. It wasn't. She it was started like, on an eight right. and went to a ten, and she she should have yes, she should have started. Oh, there were scene the the any time she did this, right? And she did it like three times to Steve. I'm like, okay, that's condescending. Uh, it's gross, and I hate it. Well, I would have liked to, have, uh, and I hate when people review. Anything that I wrote and go, I would have liked. No, yeah, no. I want to punch them in the head. But I do get the. I I just didn't get what was going on. Sometimes I didn't get the relationship between her and Steve. Yeah. Am I supposed to believe that he's in it for love? Am I supposed to believe? That, yeah, I don't. I, I what's his don't motivation know. in this? Because yeah, I, I I she does not treat him well. She no embarrasses him in and front of other presumably, people. Presumably. At the beginning of their relationship, when she was closer to a one, uh-huh. she did treat him well. Right. But we I'm don't guessing. see any of that. We don't see that. We so, see her snarking at him for interrupting mm-hmm. her with his more accurate versions of history because she basically yeah, is... Yeah, what is that? That was weird. Like, right. I'm the one in charge. You brought him here yeah. because he has a yeah. connection to the house. So let him have his connection to the house, to you dummy. it never occurs to her, despite her extensive research... That he might be ESP thick unless it's activated by the house. By the itself. house, right? He's like that like does not occur to, to her at all. It's yeah. it has to be pointed out to her. So there's some serious. Yeah, gaps no, he's in... a psychic. Psychic is a ham sandwich. Right. Rude. That's just rude. Yeah, I. I'm, <laughs> but also I, that might be then. That's what they said. Mm, that might be the case outside, but in here. Yeah, no. I don't know what's going on with those two, yeah. and so it's that is a weird relationship. It always gets me when I'm looking at a relationship or in a film or a television program and thinking, what do these two people seeing each other? Yeah. Other than the fact that they're both attractive people. Right. I don't really yeah, see what else. And then it's like, well, are you the only two people in this city? Because right. <laughs> there are other attractive people because, who are not yeah. terrible for you uh, out there. Everyone is flirting with Steve <laughs> in the film, including yes. uh, the autistic girl. Yes. So I'm thinking, yeah, he wouldn't have a problem. I don't know what would keep him in a relationship where basically he's being abused 
thing. I mean, at this point, it almost feels like they signed a contract that they would do this thing on Memorial Day weekend, and he just has to tough it out right. through the through that. Like, I'm sure she was paying him. And I, you as see, well. like little moments where he seems to have. Also, what is his job? He doesn't. I, I think he's too rich to know he what to do. He doesn't. He's not rich. Remember, the right, no, no, I mean, but he's no raised money. in a family where they don't. You know, right? But I mean, his mom was scrounging for. Um, like they were broke. Yeah, when she was he scrounging was, for antiques. When he or was being raised, yeah. so he's definitely got a job. Mm, I, I didn't even think what about that it. job is, other than descendant, is unclear. <laughs> that, that that's a that's a job you can have apparently. Descendant. Well, I guess if your name is Rockefeller, it doesn't matter how far removed from the money you are, but it kind of does uh, because a, his name doesn't pay his bills. We knew a Westinghouse. Although he might live, <laughs> right? You know, in a house that was purchased a hundred right. years ago and doesn't really, you yeah. know, and has a trust that's, you know, small enough that he can live on, but his mom you know, wanted finer, better things. It's unclear. What, yeah. what, We're making up more of a story. Though? We're making up hey, more Steve. of a story than they bothered. What do you do? You know? That's what a, do you do? We have to fill in the details for the story, not telling us the details. Yeah. And I think that... He wears I, flannels in right. Seattle. How how creative. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I, I, I did like it. I just, I didn't like the very, it felt very abrupt. The ending is is extraordinary. And now we're done. You know, <laughs> it's, it's it's although the last piece was a uh-huh. lot of, hey, could we shut Emery up? Could we stop having him say these terrible and annoying things? Mm-hmm. No, we can't. Okay, well, great. We'll get an hour and a half of that then, I guess. Right. And I, like I said, his the concept that he was proposing was not wrong. Right. Like. You all need to get out of this house. Because they were all saying, if we have to stay here overnight, we're all going to die. Well, then you should probably leave. There was a lot of... Also, the time in the last uh, section, right? the time got real wonky because it was morning and then it was night. Uh-huh. Like, there was... And then it was daylight it, outside, it, but then it was very house dark. And leaves. Yeah. There was, well, there was no... I don't think that they understood the cons- the time... Period. The, the construct of how long it's supposed to Because it was take. only the second day they were there that all right. this shit went down, right? So um, they got one night of sleep, Friday to Saturday. So everything else that happened was on Saturday. But mm-hmm. the t- like, as we're watching it, you pre- presume it's in chronological order, but the t- the light was very different in every scene. Yeah, I didn't. It was inconsistent to me. But as I said, I really, on the whole, it was really entertaining. Yes, it was very entertaining. I liked all the performances. Mm-hmm. I think that sometimes they, they swung wildly. I apologize for thinking Nancy Travis did not have what it took to play the role mm-hmm. or that she was miscast because she did the crazy part really well. Yeah. It was the beginning part. I didn't quite get, but I think I, I, that. But I think that's been. on the page. I don't right. think that's in her. I don't know that that's something that she could have fixed yeah. and still have to do the character. But. Yeah, it was a really great cast, and uh, it it kept me going. It's just at the end, I, I was left going. I I I don't see how any of this happens. Who? Oh. It's funny because you talk about how the diary of Ellen Rimbauer refers to Sakina as Ellen's mm-hmm. lover. Right. So does this Wikipedia page. On um, if you look under characters from the past, under cast characters uh-huh. from the past. As Sukina, Ellen's lover, disappeared at Rosewood. <laughs> She's from South Africa. 
She originated Rafiki in the Broadway production of The Lion King. Well, that's She's interesting. A she didn't sing in that. Oh, no, 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 she didn't. Disappointed. Uh, yeah. It was pretty wild. But I liked it. I yeah, think it was yeah. very I, good. I, it, it never, ever at any point did not entertain me. Yeah. And that's the best thing that you can say but about you something. you will want to punch Emery in the face. I, do, I don't know what the deal with Emery is. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, he, did you want to talk a little bit about him? or I, was, do, I don't know. I, I just, I'm, I'm as baffled as you are why at the end he turns out to be... Well, at the end he's not under six his mother. Months under, but six months away from his mother he learns to become a human being. That was... I think six days after he was out right. from under his mother he probably was like, hmm, I could... And he's had a catastrophic loss. Like, right. like his hand yeah. is never going to... Like, He's not getting those fingers back. Uh, His fingers were left in the house. Yes. Nom, nom, nom. The house eated them. Rude. So rude. All right. Do you... Okay, so next week, Mm -hmm. we have already recorded what we're watching, but we have not watched it yet. And that is the 2002 version of Carrie. Okay, and this is Angela Bettis. Sure. I don't know. <laughs> it's the 2002 version of Carrie. Um, there were several versions. I think it's 2002 Carrie. Let's see. Yeah, Angela Bettis. Angela Bettis, Patricia Clarkson. Is that who plays her mom? Yes. Okay. Brian Fuller wrote the teleplay. Hmm. Why? What's the hmm? I like Brian Fuller. He wrote Hannibal. Okay. Like the TV show. Right. Uh, he also wrote Pushing Daisies, which is one of my favorite oh, shows yeah, yeah, yeah. that ever was. So I am that make, and he wrote Dead Like Me. Like he's written a lot of stuff that I really like. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's working on American Gods and Star Trek Discovery now. So all these things are right in my wheelhouse. So I'm excited to see what he has done. Angela Bettis had done a performance in an, in an independent film called May. Oh, I'm too scared to watch that Where she movie. plays a seamstress who uh, dips into Frankenstein's notion of... Making she, a friend. Making a friend. <laughs> making a friend, yeah. She, I remember... I, think I have was, started that movie twice right, and I have not finished it. <laughs> not for everybody, mm-hmm. but it's very, very good. And her performance, opposite Jeremy Sisto, I think it is, who is... I like Jeremy Sisto. Yeah. So that's what we're watching next week. Mm-hmm. I don't know where else it's available because I didn't have to uh, look it up, but I will put it in the show notes because I okay. really do do that. Do you have something to recommend to our lovely <laughs> listeners um, while they are trapped inside? Um, yeah. I would recommend visiting Netflix. I have started a program there. I am not okay with this. Yeah. Starring Sophia Lillis, who is going to be familiar to anybody who likes Stephen King. Yeah. And uh, Wyatt Olaf, who will also be familiar yes. to anybody who likes Stephen King. And his King. name is also Stanley. Stanley in this. I don't understand it. Right. It's like, a... I know it's based on another thing, but still. still. So, um, and I haven't finished it. I don't want to spoil anything or because there, there's, there's a lot going on in it, but it is very authentic to the point where I was grossed out at times. <laughs> Um, by how authentic it was to teenagers. Okay. Uh, but um, and the sort of weird things that teenagers obsess on. 
And oh, I know what you're talking about. I'm like, what are you talking about? Okay, Cynthia Lillis is about. really, really very, very good. She is. She has an incredibly expressive face. Yeah, really so, loved her in that um, Gretel and Hansel. Yes, she's and, very good. And uh, this is very good as well. And I think that there's times where a lot of it takes place in a, a journal, so there's a lot of voiceover. Yeah, Dear Diary. And the amount of acting that she has to do with voiceover is The way that she moves, too. This character moves in like a really weird way. Uh-huh. Like yeah. she's real hunched over and ungraceful. Right. Like, just not And this crazy. is very much like a teenager, a person who's getting used to their body growing at some bizarre mm. rate that they can't control. Yeah. And all sorts of things that make no sense to them. So, yeah, I'm really enjoying her performance. I'm really enjoying the, the sort of feel of the, the, the show so far. I haven't finished it. Nope. But it's I, only like three hours total. I, I Each episode is like 20 minutes yes. long. So, yeah. Which I really love. I love the fact that you don't have to put in our, you know, half an hour of filler to get to 20 minutes of This a, is why I'm looking forward to the C.J. Walker uh, uh, miniseries that's also on Netflix, because right. it is four episodes. Yeah. I'm like, great. Because it used you to be... You wanted to make a miniseries, and you made a miniseries, and that's fine. It, it doesn't need to be, to be eight. It doesn't need to be ten. You have to keep going for hours. Television programs mm-hmm. used to... And I remember that it started, I think, the first time I noticed was uh, when you were watching uh, Yoga in a Jar. Um... Oh, yeah. The OA. The OA. That the episodes were inconsistent lengths, but that's really good for a writer because it's as long as it needs to it's be. It's as long as it needs to be, uh, yeah. You know, you don't need to write extra scenes. You don't they need do to that write... with all, like, all the Marvel shows um, mm-hmm. on Netflix, too, would range between like 35 minutes and an hour and 10 minutes. Yeah. It's as long as Tell it the story that you need to tell. And so that way it becomes almost more like literature. You mm-hmm. have... Yeah. You don't have to, you know, fill up the time and wait for the advertiser. Yeah. So did you have something that you... I do. I'm going to recommend Pixar's Onward. Okay. It is available for rent on Amazon. Oh, that's right. That's right. Right as this um, recording comes out. But if you wait until tomorrow, it's free on Disney+. Plus. It comes out April tomorrow 3rd. Tomorrow for us or April tomorrow 3rd t- As of the listening to okay, this. Okay, all right. So on April 3rd, it comes out on Disney+. Plus. So if you have Disney+, Plus, you'll be able to watch it for free this weekend. I recommend it very much. I liked it a whole bunch. I know we can't go to the theater, but we can have a theater-type experience. I have to say, I did not expect anything going into it, and it was a lot coming out of it. It was really very good. underestimating Pixar. Well, I have to... I just don't want to be disappointed as I was with the... the, I was going to call it the screwing. Um, The turning. Oh, yeah. No, that was (laughs) Which was a film where I I went into it. It has a pedigree. It had a great cast. It looked beautiful. And then just... Yes, exactly. (laughs) And I'm no. Let's not do anything with any of them. Right. <laughs> there was the, 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 you know, reminds me of like a, the performance of a singer, an amateur singer goes into a performance and the critic tells him, well, you, there's a lot of ways you could have taken that song and you, you took all of them. All like, of them. You oh, just, no. <laughs> you yeah. did everything in that film, particularly the ending, it's like, so this but, is. what? Choose your own you, adventure. I'm yes. supposed to choose which one of the five endings you've just shown me I'm going to run with. So, so aggravating. Yes. Oh, that was terrible. But yeah. Onward is great. Onward. Um, and it is available in and your house. And it's well written. It has a direction. And it ends. Let's get Tom Holland doing voice work, which more of, please. I still have to watch Spies in Disguise. You go ahead. <laughs> I will. Okay. Tom Holland and Will Smith in a cartoon? I'm there. I have not seen it. I am not recommending it. All right. So next week. Carrie. Carrie. 2002. Two, What's two. your name? Angela Bettis. All right. You all have your assignment. Uh, we will see you then. In the meantime, if you have questions, comments, concerns, if you want to tell us what you're watching during 
quarantine 2020, uh, you can email us at latecomerspod at gmail.com. You can tweet at us. Tweet. On Twitter. I, I, at latecomerspod. I just love how careful your diction is right now. I'm sitting up straight and I'm being careful in my diction. I'm slouching. I don't have to follow your... I'm trying not to cough. Okay. It's okay. It's not coronavirus. Mm-mm. Hopefully. Uh... We'll find out. When this comes out, you'll we'll know. We'll know. Oh, and we're on Facebook. You can just look for us at Latecomers Podcast. In the meantime, I remind you to take your medicine. And we remind you, better, better late, late than, than never. never. Stay inside and wash your hands. <laughs>